are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast brought to you by NetSuite. If you're important and you make money, you're on NetSuite. All right. Um, You're probably saying, Mike, John Schuster, you guys have made me some money throughout the week back on Monday. Keep in mind, uh, you know, we like to pat ourselves on the back a little bit here. And we've been remiss remiss the last couple days Mm -hmm. uh, because we record everything (laughs) the minute that it comes out. Uh And um, we've been remiss on that. So I wanted to pat ourselves on the back for uh, John, or John Schuster, for Georgia and uh, Alabama. But I'll, I'll, I'll raise the national championship trophy if you want. Well, I think, I think that you would. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I wouldn't. Maybe I should. Okay. So, all right, here's the deal, though. Arizona's got a, ba- a football quarterback commit right now. Um, and this guy can actually play. No, or not an OKG. He's a Pac-12 freshman of the year. My question for you, John Schuster, does this change your expectation for Arizona football for the coming season? In what capacity? Wins. No. I think Arizona's going to win three games. Okay. Uh, there's there, there there's a lot of work to do. I But the thing that... I, I, I think this is the type, type of thing that makes it very interesting for Arizona football fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now they have some people on the roster that they can focus on and see if they believe that there's the potential that these are kids who can play at the Pac-12 level, right. at the upper Pac-12 level, which mm-hmm. is something Arizona had one player last year that, that, that fit that bill. Right. So there's reason to believe that next year playing time is going to be fairly abundant for these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the quarterback transfer that they had in clearly has the inside track to be the starter. And that was kind of the elephant in the room right there yeah. as well. Um, is that you know it's awesome that you're getting these recru- it's awesome that you're getting these recruits for sure but you know what at the end of the day when somebody says oh so who's your quarterback you know that's that's a that's a difficult one sometimes to be able to uh, say oh don't worry about that we'll get it figured out you got to figure it out well, right it's now. an interesting also it's an interesting and, and and it'd be fascinating to see what the sales pitch was in this regard was it simply a timing thing where where fish went after? Uh, a high-profile running back and a high pro and some high-profile receivers to try to land the high-profile quarterback, right. or were they all in cahoots earlier on, just sort of trying to figure out, okay, we're going to get these guys first. Once we get these guys, then you know, you and I've talked. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Now you can come to Arizona because clearly we're uh, serious about bringing in better talent. I wonder, I, I wonder how that dynamic went right. and how Fish was able to navigate which ones he wanted to get here based on who he thought was going to be on a relatively depleted roster, which is what Arizona clearly was last year. So one of the sales pitches is obviously playing time. Right, for sure. And, uh, it, and, and I think that's going to be, you know, obviously that sales pitch worked, or at least part of that sales. If that was part of the sales pitch, that part of that sales pitch worked. Were there other parts of the sales pitch that worked? Perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, because those guys are coming here. And I think from a fan standpoint, even though Arizona may be on the negative end and probably will be on the negative end of most of their games last year, you can look at the roster and pick out individuals here and there and see if you believe there's potential there, which gives you hope. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head right there, as you generally do, um, that, you know, like last year you looked at it and we always say, like, how many of these people really look like they could play it, you know, one. One. Yeah. 
Because when, that's generally, when, you know when what When McLeod like? was in the lineup. McLeod? McLeod. When McLeod was in the right. lineup, he was better athletically than the other options that Arizona had at QB. Right. Uh, but beyond that and beyond Stanley Berryhill, Arizona's me, roster that, just wasn't very that sounds just really, wasn't very good. I know that sound it sounds really elementary, <clears throat> but to me that's always been a pretty easy way to be able to just kind of figure mm-hmm. out, you know, how good are you as a team. I'll give you an idea. Let's go back to the mid-90s when you had all those, you know, some of the great defenses and the crappy offenses, though. You could look on the defensive side of the ball for Arizona football and say, man, there's about nine people here that can play anywhere they want. You'd look on the uh, lo- you'd look on the other side and you'd be like, okay, well, you know, Chuck Levy can probably play some. Chuck Levy can probably play. Dan White's okay. But, you know, everything was going to be predicated on the defensive side of the ball. 98, you look at it and you're like, yeah, there's about 20 people here that could play pretty much where, you know, pretty... Last year, there was about one guy that stuck out. Um, you need to have, to be good, I think you need to have about 10 guys to be able to stand out. And at least that's where I think the Arizona is at least headed in that direction. Yeah, they're moving in that direction. And that's and that's good. And, and it's this is, again, a long-term work in progress. But if you're the Wildcat administration, uh, and I've I've harped on this a lot and will continue to do so. Unless there's something really drastic that occurs, I believe this is a four-year rebuild mm-hmm. and we're in year two. But if you're looking at it from a potential standpoint, right. you like what Fish has been able to do in the offseason, and that gives you hope that uh, he Arizona football is in good hands right now. Now, you know, obviously Arizona needs to improve in a lot of areas. There are a lot of areas on defense where Arizona needs to be better. They're, they, they need to improve significantly on both lines, and they need to recruit depth. Those things happen in further recruiting classes. So Arizona, even though it's a quote-unquote top 20 recruiting class this year, that has some really good high-profile players, this is about building depth over the years. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that, that's why in Season 2, I tend to feel like it's a what is Arizona's skill position potential individually mm-hmm. while they try to continue to build the kind of necessary depth in the program that you need to be consistently successful. Yeah, and that, that's where I think it's going to be fascinating. Now, one thing that you don't want to have to really worry about, though, is, let's see here, the... Uh, Get Upside app. Here we did. I'm not going to even read from the script anymore. Get Upside app basically means you download it, you get your first free gallon, or you get your first uh, tank of gas at 25 or uh, 25 cents off. Get it, ha- get it, uh, make it happen. Code word though. There's a lot of questions going around. The code word is actually score, not college. Yes. Just wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that happened. John Schuster was the one that uh, alerted me of my uh, snap. The Get Upside app. Promo code SCORE. Mm-hmm. Right. Save money on your gas. Make it happen. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with you. You're listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. All right, John Schuster. So let's... Yes, uh, Mike Luke. All right, so now let's talk about a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. Arizona's offense... When Arizona was really good in the 90s, a lot of people, like with football... A lot of people talk about Teddy Bruschi and all those people, but you and a lot of people have always maintained that it was the line, it was the interior line that made that unit so great. I mean, again, it wasn't like Teddy Bruschi. Yeah, there's, there's no question about it. Right, that. but it was uh-huh. Rob Explain, yeah. Waldrop, explain there. Well, well, Rob Waldrop was defensively one of the most important people in the history of Arizona football. Right. Uh, because while Waldrop's numbers were not particularly 
good. Mm -hmm. He absolutely dominated the line, and you needed two or three people to block him. Right. When you have two or three people blocking one guy, right. and you have good complementary talent along with him, or, and you have an explosive end like mm -hmm. Brewski, right. then you're going to have a lot of holes on the offensive line, and that's going to make the offense's job a lot more difficult to try to gain positive yardage. Because if you can put pressure on the opposition, this is this is... This is not hard to figure out. All you have to do is uh, look at the national championship game from Monday night mm -hmm. and, yes. and, and, and reach the conclusion that being exceptional on the line goes a long way toward you being able to disrupt offenses, and that's where regardless of what it is that offenses are trying to run. And Arizona in that era was very successful and, and extraordinarily successful largely because of the line as a whole, but the interior and what Waldrop and those guys were able to do to put bring a lot of attention to them, which opened things up for the ends. Right, and I think that's the thing that you look at, and it, you need to be able to make that one happen. But there's only... It's so much easier to get a good wide receiver or a good running back than to get those big offensive Absolutely. linemen. And I think mm -hmm. that's the problem that Arizona is always going to kind of encounter. The, 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 the problem here is that about a hundred football teams in Division One have the same problem, right? Um, you know, and, and in this con and, and the difference, you kind of have to take Alabama and Georgia out of the equation. Mm -hmm. They get these guys; their lines are dominant. You hope that you can match them, but Arizona's not anywhere near that level right now, and shouldn't even be talking about getting to right. that level. I find it hard to believe that Arizona's going to successfully be able to get a monster line to dominate. Mm -hmm. But there have been some examples in this conference that aren't USC. Okay, USC's going to get Stanford, a lot of talent. Stanford, and those examples good. are Stanford mm -hmm. at their height and Utah, mm -hmm. pretty very, consistently. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, you, they have very good lines, and when things have been going well, and for Utah, things have been going well more consistently of late than they have for Stanford. Um, those are those are reasons why. Right. They can be they can be physical and make things difficult and give them a chance to be competitive in most football games mm -hmm. and give them an opportunity to not just be competitive but win most of those football games. So the question becomes, what does Arizona have to do to get in on that conversation? What uh, does Arizona need to do to get in on that conversation? A really good, uh, that's a really good question, Mike. I was going to ask you. I, I think uh, I, I, a honestly, lot— Honestly, I think you need to be realistic there, to be honest with you. I think you need to be able. Well, you want to try to be good on the on the defense or on the offensive line. Totally get that defensive line. But as long as you can just be like average and not be thrown. Like the thing with Rich Rod's teams. Let's be honest. If they were even average on both sides of the defensive line, that man's still here. Or mm -hmm. that no, he's not still here. He's coaching somewhere else, Very not possible. Jackson State yeah. or wherever mm -hmm. the heck it is. I. It's something that you can't neglect, though. Obviously, and I think Fish gets that. I do also understand too, from his perspective, if I'm going to be the or you know, let me clean let me clean house with the guys that I can get. He did that, but that's going to be the next step, and you're going to find out okay. what he can really so, do. So, so what 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 do you have to do, and what is viable for you to make that successful? I think you've got let's to... look at a couple models here as a possibility. Right at Stanford, you have the academic thing in your favor, mm -hmm. but you also have Harbaugh's attitude, and after that, Shaw's attitude. Right. Um, so, so if you had success in putting people in the NFL, in addition to a good education, then you look at Stanford as a place where linemen on both sides of the ball might be very interested right. in playing Utah. How does Utah do it? Pacific Islanders. Mm -hmm. That's the, and that was that, how Tommy was able to do a lot right. of that too. And that is probably, a lot of Edwin Mulatalos. that is probably the avenue that Arizona's pro, uh, 
likely going to try to utilize to get up to speed in that capacity. Um, it's probably their quickest avenue. Mm -hmm. And we'll see how effective, if that's what they decide to go as far as the lineman pursuit uh, comes across, then we'll see how ultimately successful they are in that realm. They've got catching up to do right? because uh, Utah's got a lot of inroads there. There are a lot of other teams in this conference that do as well. But here's the thing, though. If Utah can do it, you should be able to do it. Yes. To a certain, maybe not to, to a that certain, level. To, to a certain extent, there are some inherent differences, not the least of which is the Mormon community in Utah is heavily Samoan uh, and, that, and heavily island-based. And so that allows... There, there are a lot of people up there who are familiar or have family who live in Utah. Right. So, you know, BYU can be somewhat effective in this regard, too. Mm -hmm. So you've got to work with some of the geography against you. But if you have some connections, you can be successful. Other teams on the West Coast have been. There are, there are enough out there to give you an opportunity to get some guys into that pipeline to see if that works. To me, that's the fastest route to potential success to try to make up the deficiency that you have. Right. How efficient and how good Arizona can be at that remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, let's uh, let's move over to basketball real quick before. Oh yeah. And by the way, Built Bar. We already know about it. But Built Bar is going to be something that you want to be able to have happen in your life at all times. Utah Built Bar. We already know about that. We've talked about it ad, ad nauseum. Okay. Now, before we go, we got Arizona Arizona basketball coming up tonight. What are you looking for here? Playing the mountain schools. Um, continuity, which is difficult to get, and it's the same problem, obviously, that uh, everybody else in college basketball is having as well. Um, the Right now, uh, I was looking at the schedule on Thursday, looking at the schedule on Friday, looking at the schedule on Monday, mm -hmm. okay, in college basketball as a whole. Thursday, there were 60 games originally scheduled. Right. 20 of those did not happen. Uh, Friday, the uh, deficiency was somewhere in the neighborhood of right. uh, 9 out of, you know, 25 were played, 9 weren't. Right. Uh, and Tuesday night, the number was pretty dramatic right. as well. It's about, it's about a third of the schedule isn't being played right. because of protocols. So... This isn't just an Arizona problem right. in terms of continuity. It's college basket. It's across the spectrum of college basketball. As I separate myself from the Washington game and the frustration of the Washington game, which was based on hustle, right. Washington got to a lot more loose balls than Arizona did. That made that game a lot more frustrating than it should have been because Arizona should should have been a little bit more effectively aggressive mm -hmm. and they weren't. Right. But as you pull away from that, you're hoping that that's sort of a holiday hangover game. Right. That Arizona hadn't played in two weeks and, you know, they just got out there and they were out of rhythm and a little bit sluggish for whatever reason. There's no excuse for the other team across from you working harder than you, mm -hmm. but it happened and maybe you can write it off. Uh, and Arizona still won the game by double figures. Right. So as these games approach, hopefully Arizona has utilized the practices available to try to hone that aspect of it. And uh, if, if they've improved in that regard, then I would you know, generally speaking, feel a little better. If that becomes a problem in these next couple games, then you start to look at that a little bit more seriously and wonder what exactly what it, is going on. What right? exactly is going on and what does Arizona need to do to prioritize that a little bit more? All right, we'll be back with you. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast.